0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Social Sport. I'm Emma Zimmerman, and on this podcast, I feature conversations with endurance athletes of all types committed to fostering social change. The athletes that I speak with on this show are climate change activists, mental health advocates, promoters of more inclusive outdoor spaces, and much more. Through Social Sport, I share the stories and thoughts of people who explore the connection between sport and activism in their lives. For this episode of Social Sport, I had the unique opportunity to speak with Keisha Roberson all about the Women Run the Vote relay. If you are a runner, chances are you have heard about this relay already. It is organized by Wazelle and Run for All Women, and it is a virtual relay, which will take place from September 21st to the 27th, 2020. For this event, teams of 15 to 20 will virtually cover the 680 mile journey from Atlanta, Georgia to Washington, DC, and learn about civil rights, historic sites and people along the way. This relay also raises money for Black Voters Matter, which is an organization dedicated to increasing power in marginalized, predominantly Black communities. Keisha is an advocate for various social justice initiatives, including reproductive rights and mental health, and she is a runner and a coach herself and the Run For All Women ambassador, who is in charge of adding historical elements to the relay route. It was such a treat to speak with Keisha and learn more about the history of this event, why it's important, and the legacy that it is sure to bring. Hi, Keisha. Welcome to Social Sport. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited. It's it's such an important time. I mean, I, I feel like everyone in the running community has the women run the vote relay in their minds. <laughs> I feel like it's really blown up. So it's exciting
1: to get more deeply into it. Yeah, there's been a, a tremendous amount of excitement. Like we knew it was going to be big, um, but it's been huge, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. Really excited for takeoff next week or in a couple weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, coming up soon. And when yeah. this podcast comes out, it'll probably be about a week. It'll be coming up sooner. <laughs> okay, sweet. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about the Women Run the Vote Relay, and that's what this episode is about, but I want listeners to know who you are and your connection to all of this. So if you could tell everyone who you are, what you're passionate about, and then where you are right now.
1: Yeah, um, so I am a runner, a health and wellness advocate. Um, My pronouns, actually I should start with that, my pronouns are she She, her, they, them, and I am really about trying to not only uplift um, my local community as a whole, but like also black and brown runners, Um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of health disparities, a lot of mental challenges that many of our communities face, and it's a really huge importance to me to introduce folks to different tools and techniques and things that can help us lead better lives. Um, As we know, like trauma is, can be passed down from generation to generation, but I also feel like healing and prosperity can be too. So really um, just trying to do my part (laughs) in sharing that with the community. I'm a founder of Track Tuesdays here in DC, which is a weekly, um, not just a track workout, because sometimes we're not on the track, but it's really a, a weekly workout that's created to help build more efficient runners. So we kind of go over, um, not just the physical elements of running, but we also go over some of the mental aspects of running and just really trying to work on form and just those little things that sometimes we, as distance runners kind of neglect, or some of us, if we're new to the sport, don't even know or realize is important to our development as runners. Um, I also created the running conversations Which is kind of taking running, but it's also allowing space for conversations and mental health. Which, you know, a lot of runners, when they talk about their origins and how they got started with running, a lot of times it had to do with rough patches or challenging times in their lives. And um, we don't always have that space to get into deep conversations. Um, And so this allows us to talk about, you know, things like, grief you know a lot of us have been experiencing that this year not just because of lost loved ones but loss of races loss of normalcy so you know we'll cover topics like that we'll cover topics like self-compassion you know um so that's really cool and then i also created the color girl picnic series where i bring together um, black women women of color so that we can be in community with one another which has not only been something that historically within our communities is in like a big thing that has always happened, but it's also an opportunity to, for us to continue that and to really be um, able to have the conversations that we don't always get to experience in mixed company. We don't have to go into explaining the details of microaggressions or what it feels like to be a black woman in spaces that were not created for us, we can just you know say how we're feeling and really be able to connect and sometimes it's a very free-flowing type of conversation sometimes it's structured um but yeah that's some of the things that i've got going on of course i'm an ambassador for run for all women and i'm also on the steering committee for the global women run collective which brings together run leaders across the globe um and then whenever i do have free time i like to um volunteer with uh, Planned Parenthood and other organizations in the area. Yeah, free time. How, how do you get that after hearing everything that you do? <laughs> doesn't sound like you have much of that. <laughs> you know, I try to, try to make time for the things that I care about.
0: Totally. And I want to highlight one thing that you said that was really powerful. You said that uh, trauma can be passed down from generation to generation, but healing and prosperity can too. And that was so beautiful, and I think it's so evident in everything that you do and also kind of the idea behind this relay that we're going to get into as well.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: So I loved reading the story about how you got involved with Run For All Women which is the organization that is, uh, or one of the organizations putting on this relay. So if you could explain what Run for All Women is, and then kind of recount that story
1: of how you got involved. Yeah, um, so Run for All Women is a fitness movement that is based out of New York City. Um, it started when our founder, Allison Desir, Following the 2016 elections, she really felt like she wished she had done more, um, and so she wanted to use the, the feelings that she had following the results to be engaged and actually um, try to make an impact. And so she decided to get some friends together to help raise money for Planned Parenthood, um, because not only at the, we know now they're being attacked, but they were definitely being attacked back then as well. And they decided to run from Harlem down to DC for the Women's March. Um, and along the way, they picked up over a thousand runners who came in at different points along the, the route. And I came in during their last 17 miles into the city, um, into DC, so I started in Maryland into DC. And um, the experience was super transformative for me. I mean, the way that folks galvanized behind not only what Allison was doing, but what these four women collectively were doing. And it was powerful for me because, I mean, I had heard of other people like doing ultra, you name it, (laughs) in the name of something. But I hadn't really seen Black women um, at the time that were doing anything like this. And especially not Black women that I could identify with. I mean, I had met Allison once or twice before then. And so it was like, just to see someone that I could, you know, I could relate to that I've shared company with doing this was so impactful. And that night, Again, strangers were like meeting us in the middle of the night to run or even just to, to support and, and cheer us on was really cool. They actually raised over a hundred thousand dollars for Planned Parenthood in that run alone. Wow. Um, and there were so many people that was so excited about what they had done um, that they decided to create an ambassador program. And that was in 2017. And I've been with the group ever since.
0: That's amazing. And I this resonated with what I heard last night. I was actually able to listen to the kickoff meeting with Allison and Lauren Fleshman for Mm -hmm. the the relay. And so much of what you said really reflected things that were said in that meeting. And one thing that Allison said during that time, which I'm I'm really sorry if I get this quote wrong, but it was something along the lines of the movement of black women's bodies is a political statement and can be yes. a really strong political statement. And that's what I'm hearing from you, just the image of all of those women running that distance. It's, it's really striking.
1: Yeah, and, and also like historically, we always hear when it comes to like the civil rights movement or, or the movement for Black liberation, we tend to always hear about the male leaders that took part in that movement or those movements. And we sometimes don't get to hear about the different women. I mean, Rosa Parks mm-hmm. is a name that comes up a lot. Harriet Tubman's name comes up a lot. But there's so many women whose names go unheard, unspoken, who had such tremendous power and and work that they put in to helping advance our community. And yeah, like to... To see, I mean, obviously this is current day, but I loved it because it also was just showing that like, not only currently are we making impact and are we making political statements with our bodies, but this is a legacy before us of mothers, daughters, sisters, who have kind of laid down the groundwork for us to keep that going.
0: Yes. So, for this event, the relay that's coming up, uh, you went into a little bit about what Run for All Women is, but I know it is also partnered with Wazell and that you're donating the money to Black Voters Matter. So if you could explain to anyone why that company Wazell.
1: Yeah, so Wazell has really shown a great commitment to anti-racism work and a true commitment to building like not just like they obviously they're an apparel company, but they've also shown a true commitment to building a better society. And, you know, it just seemed right for the two to come together um, to, to do what we can moving into this monumental um, election cycle that is is approaching quickly um, and the decision to partner I mean to donate money to Black Voters Matter was also very intentional because Black Voters Matter has also shown their commitment to you know doing what they can to build power within marginalized communities and you know to this day, we've raised over $210,000 towards the organization, and we still have time to vote. I mean, not to vote, to donate. Mm-hmm. And so you know, by supporting an organization like this, we know that that's gonna get poured back into the communities who, again, do, who are marginalized and whose votes are trying to be silenced. Um, so it's just it just seemed like a perfect relationship to happen all across the board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let that be a call to action to anyone who's listening who maybe hasn't donated yet is maybe looking for a way to get involved in, in this uh, event. You should go check out that the whole event in general and then you can donate to Black Voters Matter.
1: Yeah, and we're still, we still have a lot of teams, relay teams that are looking for members and um, just to kind of go in a little bit more about like how it's all going to work is it's a relay that's taking place um, completely virtually and the object, the goal of the relay is to get from Atlanta up to um, washington dc and along the way there will be historical facts um, that take place um, from local communities and areas that will be quote unquote running through and if running is not necessarily your thing or maybe you're injured right now so you're kind of doing other activities there are over 80 activities that can be logged that will help teams get from point A to point B. So we've really made it, we've really tried to make it a very inclusive relay so that all folks can participate in some way, shape or form. So yes, donations. Also, if you wanna be a part of the relay, there are teams that still need some space filled. Awesome.
0: So I would love if you could go a little bit more into the format of this relay and how it will all look in practice. So it's a virtual relay, which I think is kind of hard
1: for some people to conceptualize. So could you break that down a little bit more? Yeah, so we're gonna be using the, there's a platform called Racery. So you'll go on there, you'll join your team. And as you go about doing your intentional movement, whether it's yoga, stretching, running, cycling, swimming, whatever that activity is, you'll go in to the platform, you'll log your quote-unquote miles or your time that it took for you to do, you know, those activities. And there's like little markers that will kind of move your team throughout the route. And as you're moving throughout this route, there are different pin drops that have, you know, whatever the significance is about that particular location. Most of the history has to do with um, civil rights movement, or black liberation that has taken place in those particular areas and then there like i said there will also be some challenges or just some things to kind of get us focused and ready for the upcoming election Um, really encouraging folks to find out what's going on in your local area Um, i know a lot of us we exist in our own little bubbles but actually asking folks to you know take a closer look at what not only might be happening within your bubble but outside of your bubble there are a lot of issues that are going to be on the ballot whether we recognize it as such um you know there are going to be people who will get life-term elections um, appointments i mean mm-hmm based on the election results. So we really wanna make sure that we're finding out what's going on in our areas and finding out who are the local organizers, the local organizations. There are a lot of people who could use extra help, extra support. And so we wanna encourage folks throughout the route to um, step in with that as well. And yeah, like it's, we wanna bring community together through this virtual um, experience. We're really hoping that with this experience that, you know, folks will be able to come together even if it is through a screen or your phone and really feel like they're not alone in this fight where, you know, the goal is to let each one of us know that we can start where we are in helping move our community in this country forward
0: and that is so important because it's so easy to get overwhelmed right by politics on a national scale and all of the issues that exist on a national scale for good reason and i think it's so important to highlight the fact that we can think local and that really trickles up as well so i i love that this really highlights that and i also love that it's rooted in in history, because I think the two really complement each other and they, they should work together. They need to work together. So you mentioned those, those pin drops on historically important places. Are there any that come to mind that are especially powerful to
1: you? Yeah. So there is going to be a pin drop that comes in, I believe it's Virginia where um, I, we talk about this, um, resistance that had taken place at a local high school where a 16-year-old girl named Barbara Rose Johns she was unhappy with the conditions of her school and the way that the black students were being treated there and she was able to mobilize the school like the students within the school to help push change to force the administration to take their concerns seriously and to you know get better results for them. And I thought that was so powerful because, I mean, this girl is 16 years old and I was thinking about myself at 16. And I mean, like, yeah, I cared about like what was going on, but like to actually have the courage to do something. And the fact that like, she was able to mobilize these folks in a way that was like secretive and like even just learning about the ways in which she organized the group was like so incredible to me and i think that a lot of times in our history that we've been taught the resistance that marginalized communities have shown and used to advance the community goes completely silent like people don't talk about the resistance that took place and it it was so beautiful to read a story like that i mean it also shows that like it doesn't matter how old you are you can still mobilize your community for a better life or better results if that's what you deserve
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm a firm believer that young people are not given enough credit. They're such big activists in uh, like the high schoolers right now and one of my favorite things is going to youth climate strikes, which a lot of youth uh climate strikers are really focused on anti-racism right now as well and you know, the two connect, which is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But I love that you mentioned that because the youth are are so powerful and I think it's not something that has really been talked about enough throughout history so that's great that that's
1: a pin drop I'll have to look out for that one. Yeah for sure for sure I mean there's so many things that I mean so many stories in which students have come together I mean when we talk about the Greensboro um, resistance that took place in North Carolina that was started by a group of students at North Carolina A&T and t I mean, there's so many ways in which the youth have, again, also like advanced us today. And I'm really excited for folks to check out some of those pin drops. I mean, there's my my biggest hope with these pin drops is because unfortunately I couldn't talk about everything, but I hope that it's enough to interest people and to really um, spark them to go dig deeper or to find out other things that have happened, um, within these states and communities.
0: Yeah, totally. And we'll get now a little bit more into that history and the history that's behind it, because like you mentioned, there's so much, you can't bring up everything. And I'm hoping folks will go dig a little bit deeper or a lot deeper into that history. Yeah. But I think at a general level, what is really important, uh, to understand, is the 1977 International Women's Torch Relay, because I know that that is a really important event to this relay. So if you could explain what that relay was and why it's important.
1: Yeah. So in 1977, um, there were a group of women that decided to mobilize and run from Seneca Falls, New York, which was the site of the original, uh, or one of the original women's conferences. And they decided to run down to Houston, Texas, which was a 2,000 or 2,600 mile relay. Um, and along the way they were carrying with them in their torches, what was it called a Declaration of Sentiment that was re, um, revised by Maya Angelou, which was really, really cool. Um, and, and they tried to, at that time, make themselves a little bit more inclusive than the original women's conference, um, which as we know, the women's movement is progressing as well, just like other movements, um, to try to be more inclusive of all folks um, that identify as women. But there were still some challenges, still some things that um, left room for improvement, room for growth. And we're hoping that with our relay, we can, you know, build upon that as well. But that was kind of the inspiration and the spark um, behind our Women Run the Vote relay. So that was
0: 1977. And that seems, I think, to a lot of people like a very far away time, right? But you mentioned that, you know, the women's movement is still progressing to be more inclusive of folks who are not white, cis women. And I want to hear a a little bit about that more. So why is this really so important to you right now? Because a lot of these issues that were being talked about in 1977 still exist today, you know? So
1: I kind of want to hear more about why now. Yeah, I mean, there's still so much to be done. I mean, I I think about, I constantly think about our Indigenous sisters that have been dealing, like have gone missing. No one really talks about that as much. I think about my Brown sisters who are being captive in cages. I think about our trans sisters who are being murdered at alarming rates. And for me, I, I just... I think the biggest motivation for me is to continue to, to speak these stories, to speak our history, to speak about ways that we can try to um, continue to mobilize around these issues and to get some harm reduction and to get just a better situation because there's, I mean, there's so much. And I think in the past, like those communities have often gone overlooked. And I think that there's a huge opportunity for, for, for their voices to be heard now, for people to really start paying attention and taking, taking notice and seeing what can, can we all do to help each other. Because quite honestly, if any of us are being oppressed, then are any of us really winning?
0: Mm. And that term harm reduction with, uh, with respect to everything that you're talking about. And with this time, the election coming up, I think has been tossed around a lot. So what exactly does that mean to you when you bring up
1: the term harm reduction? Why is that important right now? Well, yeah, when we think about a lot of these systems that we exist in, a lot of them were created with cis white men in mind. It was created with capitalism. It was created with all of these all of these notions that have created harm for many of us and so it's it's hard to say that we're going to get a complete resolution in one election cycle because that's not going to happen we the systems that we exist in right now are not going to allow for that but the goal i think now and moving forward is what can we do to start slowly picking away and reducing this harm? And I think when we think about our past, the advancement that many of our communities have made, was it a complete success in in the sense that now we don't have to deal with racism or we don't have to deal with oppression? No, but that harm reduction has allowed more room and more space for some of us to, to come up and be able to breathe a little bit more so that we can continue to chip away at these problems. And so when I talk about harm reduction, it's essentially like, what can we, what can we again, chip away at to get to a point where, you know, if maybe if not in my lifetime, but in my children or my grandchildren's lifetimes, Obviously, they're going to be black. So making sure that them as black men, women, or non-binary, that they can exist as they are, if they don't exist within the binary, making sure that they can thrive in the ways that they want to. The other marginalized communities that maybe I don't identify with, can can their children, can their children's children be able to succeed and thrive? I think the goal is trying to get us to a point where we can one day thrive and not just exist
0: so when i think about harm reduction and the systems that we exist in i mean it it brings up so strongly so many of those those powerful things that you just explained but it also brings up the electoral system and the access to the vote and yeah. i guess i'll i'll kind of play unaware right now if i were to say to you all women were given the right to vote with the passage of the 19th amendment 100 years ago and every us citizen 18 years old and over has equal access to the vote that's the law how would you respond to that
1: well i would say that's bs (laughs) Um, because the truth is during that time i mean the women's movement at the time was focused on cis white women and black women were pushed to the back they were silenced Um, women of color in general were not like they were not the importance and and into a lot of those women that are held up to this high esteem in their minds once they were able to get closer to cis white men and their power then it was almost as if they forgot about everyone else and you know uh, as I mentioned earlier the the goal has been continued to try, like, to make sure that we are being inclusive of all women. I'm sure at that time, they weren't even thinking about the idea of transness, you know, and trans people didn't just pop out of thin air. They've always existed. Always existed. And so, you know, I, yeah, just to, to, not to keep beating a dead horse, but yes, I mean, we, we know, and we have seen that 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 isn't true, that all women did not have that opportunity. I mean, that opportunity didn't come until years later, um, where we were able to get the right to vote. And even then, our voices within these movements were still being silenced.
0: Well, I think that sentiment of marginalized identities don't pop out of thin air is so important because it brings us back to that historical knowledge and the importance of really understanding history and giving voice to uh, different groups throughout history and i think what really is empowering about this event is how much it is giving voice i think through that historical Cognizance that historical recognition uh, recognition and, and learning and I want to hear a little bit more about your voice and when that came into this because I know that there are so many powerful women who have been part of the conversation to create this relay I mean we talked about Allison and and Lauren when did you when were you able to insert yourself into it and say like hey I have I have a powerful voice and I'm going to do this work to highlight the voices throughout history.
1: Um, Well, actually, the opportunity came to me through Allison. um, And it's actually one of the reasons why I have so much respect for her, because as she continues to grow and get a a larger platform, she's always been amazing about trying to bring along other women with her whose voices should be um, a part of the conversation. And that is the beauty of, like, leaders like her who are like, hey, yes, I am here. I could take all the shine by myself, but let me see who else should be a part of this. Who else can we amplify Um, and so when she approached me, um, with the opportunity, at first I was a little hesitant, Mm. but I was like, you know what, if she believes that my voice should be a part of this, then I should lean into this and I should believe in myself that I have the ability to do that. And I always talk about, like, personally, I always talk about the importance of your community and the people that you surround yourself with, but it's really important because sometimes when you doubt When you have doubt within yourself or you're not really sure if this fits you or if it's the right opportunity will people even want to hear what you have to say your community is always right there to be like what are you talking about hell yeah you're supposed to be a part of this come on Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so
0: yeah so obviously, right now, uh, in this time when we're really talking about the extent of white supremacy and the Black Lives Matter movement is is so strong, and we're having these conversations, this relay takes on a whole new meaning. You know, it would always be important, but right now, it is taking on a whole new meaning. And the running community has has really jumped into anti racism work, like a lot of communities in this country. And sometimes I, I wonder if it were not for this exact time in history, 2020, with the Black Lives Matter movement and and recognizing the disproportionate effects of the pandemic on uh, Black and brown lives, would runners as a group have been ready to talk about the reality of unequal access
1: to the vote, et cetera? Yeah, that's... <laughs> It's funny that you say that because I, I I personally feel like this has been the perfect storm, quote unquote, which, I mean, it's not a positive thing, but unfortunately, the fact that people are stuck home more than normal, people are glued to the news more than normal, people have time more than than they used to have, that it allows them to be a little bit more aware of what's going on. I mean like the Ahmaud Arbery um story is what galvanized a lot of the run community but these types of stories are not new and these you know like stories of black and brown people being harassed on their runs I mean we just heard about another gentleman who was just harassed during his run and thank god he was able to tell the story of what happened to him Ahmad did not have that um that luxury so I mean sometimes i wonder and i hope it's not the pessimist in me of how long is this gonna last um because it's it, again it, it's not new forever we've been saying hey listen we're here we need to be like we've got issues we need there are things that need to be addressed and i just pray that with this perfect storm companies the com- the running community as a whole is able to take it and really really do something with it. Don't just make it a moment, because this is not just a moment. These are literal concerns that need to be addressed, and they extend beyond the running community. A lot of people always say, like, why do you have to bring politics into running? but our lives are political. I never get to walk away from my blackness or my womanness or you know the fact that sometimes I don't even feel like I fit completely as a woman. Those are things that I don't get to walk away from. And so any space that I walk into is going to be political for me. And whether white folks or or other folks who have a certain level of privilege realize it. Anytime you walk into these spaces, there is a sense of um, politics that's going to walk into that room with you. And I just pray with this extra time, this extra energy that we have, that we don't just let it die down once the moment has passed. Keep this energy going because the more that we are able to open up opportunities and and more um, inclusive spaces for for others it only strengthens the community as a whole there are voices and there are our ideas there are feelings that need to be addressed and i promise as they get addressed as those issues start getting chipped away at we are are only going to make this running community an even better more just welcoming place to be a part of.
0: And I think it's it's such a, a valid fear, like how do we make this moment last? How do we continue this momentum? And I'm hopeful that, I, I mean, I guess I just can't conceptualize people have been doing so much learning and by people, I'm sorry, I mean, white people have been finally having these conversations it is wild to me
1: to think that we can go back from that you know I, would that- not. I mean at this point it you're you can't say you don't know anymore right like the more Absolutely. learning you do, and i think that that's always been a way of holding people back is if you don't teach them the full breadth of history or or just learning in general. If you are able to put a cap on how much people can learn and understand, then people can always just rely on the fact that they didn't know. They can always rely on the fact that like they were just totally unaware or this isn't a problem. And it's like, but it is. And now with through your learning, through your having these conversations, you are starting to recognize that like, oh no, like this is here. This is legit. And I think that's the first step to being able to move forward and to improve. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, like that's why the history, learning the history is so important. That's why learning, like if, if you feel like, you know, certain communities are always complaining about whatever the issue is, do some digging, figure out why, why do they keep complaining about this? What has been done to address these issues, if nothing's ever been addressed, then of course they're going to keep, you know, complaining and trying to to get movement to happen. So, what do
0: you want the legacy of not just this time, but I guess more specifically this relay to be?
1: Um, I want this legacy to be. That's a good question. I. I want this legacy to just show that the everyday person can start with what they where they are and with what they're good at to help advance our communities, our conversations forward. I think that that if we can demonstrate that with folks if folks are able to walk away with knowing that Um, I think that the sky's the limit. You know, you're able to take that feeling, take that um, accomplishment into your communities and share that with others and be able to make an impact there. I think, you know, some of us are at the bigger levels, our politicians, all those folks, but there's also a lot that can happen on the ground. And I just hope that the legacy of this Relay will show folks that no matter who you are what you do that your your voice needs to be heard and that you can make an impact.
0: I I sure hope so Keisha and I and I think so if if you know your voice and Allison's voice and all the powerful women who are part of this are any indication I think I'm hopeful that there will be a powerful legacy to this event.
1: Yes, for sure. <laughs>
0: So I want to bring this a little bit lighter, and I have a few more fun questions. So first of all, where are you going to do your part of the Women Run the Vote Relay?
1: So I will be out here in Washington, D.C., our our nation's capital, running around. Um, Most of the time I do my activities east of the river as we call it, Um, and so I'm looking forward to being there. I might even hit up, um, because through the experience of doing the pin drops for the relay, I found out there's a lot of Black history in Arlington, Virginia, which isn't too far from here. So I'm really excited to like go out there and get to learn a little bit more about the history out there.
0: Yeah, totally. That's a great idea, and um, you'll definitely have to like keep people updated on social media, put some stories yeah. out there of what you come across. Yes, for sure. <laughs> so moving a bit away from the relay, what is your favorite non-running activity to do in D.C.?
1: Cycling, for sure, okay. is my baby. Um, I'm like a, a novice triathlete, um, so swimming is not really available right now for me, but cycling has been like Uh, it's been I would like to call it my like love (laughs) right now because I haven't even been putting in as many miles running just because of a bunch of anxiety that comes along with trying to navigate with not running in crowded spaces whereas cycling you can just go off and cover more ground than running quite honestly and that's been beautiful to kind of explore some new areas. I completely resonate with that as an also
0: novice triathlete who comes from a running background. So I appreciate that. Is there anything, any place you've been able to explore by bike that has been particularly beautiful or exciting?
1: Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I was um, at Assateague Island, which is about 30 minutes from Ocean City, Maryland. And it's like a wildlife refuge. So we have ponies and all types of things (laughs) with our animals just kind of roaming the island. And it's gorgeous. It's a lot of marshes and stuff like that. But the visuals are so amazing. And actually, tomorrow, I'm doing a Harriet Tubman bike ride um, back on the Eastern Shore again in Maryland, um, where we're going to kind of hit up some historical spots there, since that is um, Harriet Tubman's birthplace. And so that'll be like another cycling thing. So I've just kind of been exploring just different historical areas or just areas with breathtaking views. <laughs> well, that sounds amazing.
0: I think I'll have to come down to, to DC because it sounds like there's some, some great and uh, historically important and beautiful bike rides to do out there. For sure. <laughs> so if you could send a baked good to anyone in the world, what would it be? Who
1: would you send it to? Ooh, let's see. Um, I know the person would be Angela Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, She is one of my like favorites that I've been learning so much more about like her background and just her, her role in black women, um, the black women's movement. So I would send some baked goods to her. What would it be? I don't know what she likes. But it would probably be some sort of cake or something. Try to make it really fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. A fancy cake.
0: So, Keisha, you just are are so powerful. And it's making me think that I will need to, in the future sometime, do another episode just talking about everything you do. Because we're really talking (laughs) about the relay right now. But if you could leave listeners with... Any, you know, resource or form of advice if if they want to go search into and learn more about some of the issues that you've talked about? Has there been any resource, book, website, anything that's been most powerful
1: to you recently? Oh man, um there's so many things actually. Um I've been diving into um black women's history. Um and one of the books that I'm I keep picking up and putting down, but is bell hooks ain't i a woman um which is really has been really really great she goes a lot into our history as black folks and just even during the civil rights movement our relationship our relationship as black women to the women's movement that's been really really good um and bell hooks is just a legend within the feminist movement and then the other book that I've also been diving into is um, Adrienne Marie Brown's Pleasure Activism, and that's been really cool to me because you know we tend to think about activism as like yelling or running and anger, and and she kind of takes the idea of how can we um, learn more about the things that give us pleasure because a lot of times that's been used as a way to oppress us, especially us as women. And how can we use the things that give us pleasure as a way to um, find liberation? And she, you know, talks a lot about Octavia Butler and Audre Lorde, but that book has been really great. And I love that it's a super inclusive type of book. So she also talks about sex workers or folks who are queer or trans and, yeah, that's been another um, favorite of mine that I would at least say, um, out of the long list of things, but those two come to mind at the moment.
0: I love that sentiment of using the things that give us pleasure as liberation, because I think so often liberation work is thought of as connected to, to feelings of, of rage, justified rage and anger, and that's such an important and interesting way you think of it and I think in a lot of
1: ways it connects back to sport and running yeah for sure and I mean it especially when we think about like how a lot of our communities don't always get a chance to experience joy and it's like once you get a taste of joy or pleasure you kind of get addicted to it you're like I want I mean that's one of the reasons why we're runners right that runners high it's like, I want to feel that again. Like, what was that? That was pretty cool. And so it's like, if we can use that as a way to you know, free ourselves, free our communities, I think it's so beautiful. And it's really been quite interesting and a, a joy even to learn more about that frame of liberation work. So Keisha, why for you is sport a
0: powerful platform for
1: social change? Um, I think it's it's powerful because it's shown us, uh, many of us, what we're capable of. Many of us don't know our strengths until we're tested. And through sport, we've been tested, right? We've had those runs. We've had those experiences where we were fatigued, where we thought we couldn't do it, you know, where we wanted to give up. And something within us through sport has said, you know what? No, I got this. I could do this. I've I've been here before. Let me keep pushing forward. Cause I if I've done it before, I could do it again. Um, and then also kind of going back to what I was saying just a few moments ago in terms of like, there's a high that you get off of that, right? Like once I have completed that challenge, I realize like this feels good. And if we're able to take that, if we're able to take that into our everyday lives, which personally I know I have. I've had some really low moments where it's because of sport that I knew I could overcome those dark days.
0: Well, Keisha, I feel like I could talk to you forever. So much (laughs) of what you're saying rings so true and is also just so important for folks to hear. So I want to thank you for your voice and I want to thank you that you've used it for this real life because it has really taken off throughout the running community and beyond and i'm i'm excited to take part in it and i'm excited to see the legacy of it
1: yeah awesome thank you so much for this opportunity it was really a pleasure
0: thank you for listening to this episode of social sport if you haven't already, you can still sign up for the relay. At least as of when I'm recording, recording this, there are open spots. And you don't have to be a runner. You can bike, swim, paddle, countless other activities. You can also donate directly to Black Voters Matter. And the information for all of that is on the Wazell website. And the link is in the show notes for this episode at anchor.fm socialsport. If you're enjoying listening to the show as much as I'm enjoying creating it, go ahead and leave Social Sport a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That would help me so much, and I will be grateful for you forever. And also, always, always feel free to reach out to me at Social Sport Pod on Instagram. Let me know how you like the show. To everyone taking part in the Women Run the Vote Relay, Happy running, biking, moving. I hope you learn a lot about history that is too often silenced. And to everyone listening right now, keep sporting and keep resisting.